Part 2, Chapter 4, Section 63 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss. Translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 2, History of the Public Life of Jesus. Chapter 4, Jesus as the Messiah. Section 63, Jesus the Son of God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we find the narrowest and most literal interpretation of the expression ho uios tu theu, namely, as derived from his conception by means of the Holy Ghost. On the contrary, the widest moral and metaphorical sense is given to the expression in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, where those who imitate the love of God towards his enemies are called the sons of the Father in heaven. There is an intermediate sense which we may term the metaphysical, because while it includes more than mere conformity of will, it is distinct from the notion of actual paternity, and implies a spiritual community of being. In this sense, it is profusely employed and referred to in the fourth gospel, as when Jesus says that he speaks and does nothing of himself, but only what as a son he has learned from the Father. Chapter 5, verse 19, chapter 12, verse 49, and elsewhere. Who, moreover, is in him? Chapter 17, verse 21. And notwithstanding his exaltation over him, chapter 14, verse 28, is yet one with him, chapter 10, verse 30. There is yet a fourth sense, in which the expression is presented. When, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, the devil challenges Jesus to change the stones into bread, making the supposition, If thou be the Son of God, when Nathanael says to Jesus, Thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel, John chapter 1, verse 49. When Peter confesses, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, compare with John chapter 6, verse 69. When Martha thus expresses her faith in Jesus, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, John chapter 11, verse 27. When the high priest adjures Jesus to tell him if he be the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew chapter 26, verse 63. It is obvious that the devil means nothing more than, If thou be the Messiah, and that in the other passages, the uios tu theu, united as it is with Christos and Basileus, is but an appellation of the Messiah. In Hosea chapter 11 verse 1, Exodus chapter 4 verse 22, the people of Israel and in second samuel chapter seven verse fourteen psalm two verse seven compare psalm eighty nine verse twenty eight the king of that people are called the son and the firstborn of god the kings as also the people of israel had this appellation in virtue of the love which jehovah bore them and the tutelary care which he exercised over them Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 14. And from the second psalm we gather the farther reason, that, 
as earthly kings choose their sons to reign with or under them so the israelitish kings were invested by jehovah the supreme ruler with the government of his favorite province thus the designation was originally applicable to every israelitish king who adhered to the principle of the theocracy but when the messianic idea was developed it was preeminently assigned to the messiah as the best beloved son and the most powerful vicegerent of god on earth if then such was the original historical signification of the epithet son of god as applied to the messiah we have to ask is it possible that jesus used it of himself in this signification only or did he use it also in either of the three senses previously adduced the narrowest the merely physical import of the term is not put into the mouth of jesus but into that of the annunciating angel luke chapter one verse thirty five and for this the evangelist alone is responsible in the intermediate metaphysical sense implying unity of essence and community of existence with god it might possibly have been understood by jesus supposing him to have remodeled in his own conceptions the theocratic interpretation current among his compatriots it is true that the abundant expressions having this tendency in the gospel of john appear to contradict those of jesus on an occasion recorded by the synoptical writers mark chapter ten verse seventeen and following luke chapter eighteen verse eighteen and following when to a disciple who accosts him as good master he replies why callest thou me good there is none good but one that is god here jesus so tenaciously maintains the distinction between himself and god that he renounces the predicate of perfect goodness and insists on its appropriation to god alone olshausen supposes that this rejection related solely to the particular circumstances of the disciple addressed who regarding jesus as a merely human teacher ought not from his point of view to have given him a divine epithet and that it was not intended by jesus as a denial that he was according to a just estimate of his character actually the agathos in whom the one good being was reflected as in a mirror but this is to take for granted what is first to be proved namely that the declaration of jesus concerning himself in the fourth gospel are on a level as to credibility with those recorded by the synoptical writers two of these writers cite some words of jesus which have an important bearing on our present subject all things are delivered to me of my father and no man knoweth the son but the father neither knoweth any man the father but the son and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him matthew chapter eleven verse twenty seven taking this passage in connection with the one before quoted we must infer that jesus had indeed an intimate communion of thought and will with god but under such limitations that the attribute of perfect goodness as well as of absolute knowledge for example of the day and hour of the last day mark chapter thirteen verse thirty two and parallel passages 
belonged exclusively to God, and hence the boundary line between divine and human was strictly preserved. Even in the fourth gospel, Jesus declares, My Father is greater than I. Chapter 14, verse 28. But this slight echo of the synoptical statement does not remove the difficulty of conciliating the numerous discourses of a totally different tenor in the former, with the rejection of the epithet agathos in the latter. It is surprising, too, that Jesus in the fourth gospel appears altogether ignorant of the theocratic sense of the expression uios tu theou, and can only vindicate his use of it in the metaphysical sense, by retreating to its vague and metaphorical application. When, namely, John chapter 10, verse 34 and following, to justify his assumption of this title, he adduces the scriptural application of the term theoi to other men, such as princes and magistrates. We are at a loss to understand why Jesus should resort to this remote and precarious argument, when close at hand lay the far more cogent one, that in the Old Testament a theocratic king of Israel, or according to the customary interpretation of the most striking passages, the Messiah is called the Son of Jehovah, and that, therefore, he, having declared himself to be the Messiah, verse 25, might consistently claim this appellation. With respect to the light in which Jesus was viewed as the Son of God by others, we may remark that in the addresses of well-affected persons, the title is often so associated as to be obviously a mere synonym of Christos, and this even in the fourth gospel, while, on the other hand, the contentious Eudaioi of this gospel seem in their objections as ignorant as Jesus in his defense of the theocratic, and only notice the metaphysical meaning of the expression. It is true that, even in the synoptical gospels, when Jesus answers affirmatively the question whether he be the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew chapter 26, verse 65, and parallel passages, the high priest taxes him with blasphemy, but he refers merely to what he considers the unwarranted arrogation of the theocratic dignity of the Messiah. Whereas in the fourth gospel, when Jesus represents himself as the Son of God, chapter 5, verse 17 and following, chapter 10, verse 30 and following, the Jews seek to kill him for the express reason that he thereby makes himself ison to theo, nay, even he auton theon. According to the synoptical writers, the high priest so unhesitatingly considers the idea of the Son of God to pertain to that of the Messiah, that he associates the two titles as if they were interchangeable, in the question he addresses to Jesus. On the contrary, the Jews in the Gospel of John regard the one idea as so far transcending the other, that they listen patiently to the declaration of Jesus that he is the Messiah, chapter 10, verse 25, but as soon as he begins to claim to be the Son of God, they take up stones to stone him. In the synoptical gospels, 
the reproach cast on jesus is that being a common man he gives himself out for the messiah in the fourth gospel that being a mere man he gives himself out for a divine being hence olshausen and others have justly insisted that in those passages of the latter gospel to which our remarks have reference the uios tu theu is not synonymous with messiah but is a name far transcending the ordinary idea of the messiah they are not however warranted in concluding that therefore in the first three evangelists also the same expression imports more than the messiah for the only legitimate interpretation of the high priest's question in matthew makes ho uios tu theu a synonym of ho christos and though in the parallel passage of luke the judges first ask jesus if he be the christ chapter twenty two verse sixty seven and when he declines a direct answer predicting that they will behold the son of man seated at the right hand of god hastily interrupt him with the question art thou the son of god verse seventy yet after receiving what they consider an affirmative answer they accuse him before pilate as one who pretends to be christ a king chapter twenty three verse two thus clearly showing that son of man son of god and messiah must have been regarded as interchangeable terms it must therefore be conceded that there is a discrepancy on this point between the synoptical writers and john and perhaps also an inconsistency of the latter with himself for in several addresses to jesus he retains the customary form which associated son of god with christ or king of israel without being conscious of the distinction between the signification which uios tu theu must have in such a connection and that in which he used it elsewhere a want of perception which habitual forms of expression are calculated to induce we have before cited examples of this oversight in the fourth evangelist john chapter one verse forty nine chapter six verse sixty nine and chapter eleven verse twenty seven the author of the probabilia reasonably considers it suspicious that in the fourth gospel jesus and his opponents should appear entirely ignorant of the theocratic sense which is elsewhere attached to the expression ho uios tu theu and which must have been more familiar to the jews than any other unless we suppose some of them to have partaken of alexandrian culture to such we grant as well as to the fourth evangelist judging from his prologue the metaphysical relation of the logos monogenis to god would be the most cherished association end of section sixty three